Welcome to the Service Academy Sorority, a space where women that have graduated from the service academies can share their stories and build a sense of camaraderie and sisterhood. This episode features Ashley Grosch, a 2005 graduate from the U.S. Naval Academy. In this episode, you'll hear all about Ashley's journey as a soccer recruit from Texas to eventually owning a farm in Virginia. There's a long and winding transformational journey involving time as a surface warfare officer, many adventures as a triathlete, the roller coaster ride of becoming a mom to four little boys, and eventually ending up as the owner of a ridiculous number of chickens. Ashley's story highlights the importance of taking time and space to press the pause button and reevaluate your life. She's reinvented herself multiple times and pushes herself to pivot when she knows things aren't aligned. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, Ashley. Thanks for having me. To start out, can you tell everyone where you're from, what school you went to, and when you graduated? Sure. I'm from Arlington, Texas. Uh, went to the Naval Academy and graduated in 2005. Nice. Uh, and can you give everyone one to two lines about who you are today? Um, I'm a functional medicine practitioner and regenerative farmer, and also a mother of four. Mom of four and a farmer. So there's definitely a story there. But let's pause for a second and we'll get there. Um, let's go back to the beginning when you were deciding where to go to college, uh, what made you choose a service academy and what specifically made you choose the United States Naval Academy? I was actually recruited to play soccer. So I honestly didn't put a whole lot more thought into it besides visiting all three academies and then choosing the Naval Academy because I thought Annapolis was the prettiest. I mean, that's literally the extent of my 18 year old decision-making at the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah interesting okay so um so you say the big three so I'm assuming West Point Air Force and Navy recruited you for soccer yes um mm -hmm. I visited Air Force Academy and I actually did not visit West Point I think I already knew that wasn't that I wasn't going to go there my high school boyfriend who was two years older than me went there and so that was just kind of thrown out uh so it was between Naval Academy and Air Force Academy Interesting. And has, had there been military in your family? No, my father had to go into the military because he was older. So he went and he was drafted, but he just did four years in the Coast Guard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. but he, he was a patriot for sure. So I'm curious, you know, because if you got, if you got recruited for soccer, I'm assuming you were pretty good. Um, so were you recruited by regular schools as well? Yes, Texas A&M and Vanderbilt and a couple other smaller ones. But with having a high school boyfriend who had gone to a military academy, I was kind of under mentorship to just go ahead and choose one of those schools. And I'm glad that I was being guided in that direction. Ah, I see. I see. Okay. This is interesting because I, I don't know much about that process when you're recruited um, as an athlete. Like, do you, do you know you're accepted pretty much in the fall of your senior year of high school? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. yeah. I mean, you okay. still have to go through the same application process, but I, I already knew I was going my entire senior year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Now, did you have a plan? Uh, so you chose the Naval Academy. I know you said that was kind of like the extent of what you thought about, but, you know, did you give any thought to this idea that you'd be serving in the military and what that lifestyle might be like? Yeah, I did. I was willing to, I went to summer seminar the summer before. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I had enough of an idea of what was ahead. I, I don't think I grasped it fully because, our, you know, we swore our oath that summer in a couple months before 9-11. So I had some different definitions of what that service is going to look like during a time of peace. But mm -hmm. yeah, that, that was the part that got that changed, but there's no way that could have, there was no way to predict that. Yeah. Yeah. So summer seminar, tell me about that experience for you going in as an athlete. Was it really uh, just more to kind of like confirm that that was where you wanted to go? Yes, it was to visit, you know, due diligence to go through as a mock freshman or mock plebe, as they call them, and 
Did you enjoy that time, that summer seminar? Yeah. 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 Okay. Pretty, yeah, I knew it was the structure. I mean, it, it matched my personality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it sounds like you were, it was pretty straightforward. You knew you wanted to go to the Naval Academy. You, you did summer seminar. You got in. You were recruited. Um, leading up to it, what was the feel? Like, so did your family support it? Your friends? It sounds like your, boy, your boyfriend at the time did. Um, was the school supportive? Oh, yes. I, everybody was fantastic. Yeah. So I didn't hit any roadblocks going into phasing out and moving away. And everyone was really proud. Yeah. Yeah. And had you had any concept of like what you would do post-graduation at that point? Or was it really like you just knew you were going to go in the Navy kind of thing? Yeah, it was very, it was short-term focus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, listen, I went to the Merchant Marine Academy and never stepped foot on a ship. So like, you know, <laughs> I just had no concept of what I was going to do afterwards. So I get that. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. So you show up there um, for uh, plebe summer, I believe is what it's called at the Naval Academy, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, for plebe summer. And how did it go? How did plebe summer go? Oh, pretty good. I got the hang of hiding quickly behind athletic performance and obedience. So, um, you know, I kind of grabbed onto that concept of how you need to hide, especially if you're a woman mm. and you got to hide by behind perfection. So I, I got the hang of that pretty quickly and really didn't have any terrible experiences, any more terrible than just the normal set of terrible <laughs> you know just just how just the whole experience is hard but nothing particularly uh, pointed at me directly yeah yeah well it sounds like you know you're you were an athlete so you could keep up on all the runs and and not really be a target in any way so yeah and I had the soccer sanctuary we were already training for Uh the fall so I was able to have that that refuge every every afternoon and go to soccer practice and we actually traveled to california to play pepperdine during pleep summer the last i think it was the last couple weeks so i have i have no complaints it wasn't as bad as it was for some of my other shipmates that's so interesting so um because i don't really know much about that if you are a uh division one athlete a division one sport athlete at the Naval Academy and you have to train for your upcoming season, then you're allowed to go to practice. And then if you make the travel team, which our season started overlapped a bit, then you're allowed to travel. So I just made the travel team. Oh, wow. I was able to head out. That sounds like kind of overwhelming actually. Like I just think back to, you know, my indoc and you know, it's already exhausting and stuff. So then to be training on top of that, did that, was that hard or was it just kind of natural at that time for you? I don't remember it being hard. It was a while ago. I mean, I was, I remember being exhausted, but I do remember that 4 p.m. practice being just the best feeling every day. Even if practice was going to be hard, it, it really was kind of that sanctuary and the locker room and just yeah, a little bit of, it was normalizing. Gotcha. So. Yeah. That mm-hmm. makes sense. That makes sense. All right. Well, before we dive into your time at the Academy, uh, if you had to sum up your time at the Academy in one word, what would it be? I would say the one word would be um, camaraderie. I don't think that's an adjective, though. (laughs) No, no, it's fine. It's fine. (laughs) It's not a descriptive word, but that's kind of what got got me through through the, the Academy. Yeah. So just say a little bit more about that. What does camaraderie mean to you in that context? The closeness of the soccer team and the closeness of my roommates, um, the ability to kind of lean on each other when we, when we needed to, and to feel safe. Yeah. That that camaraderie really kind of kept, kept you going. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, um, did you play soccer for your full four years? I did not. I played for two years. Then I retired my soccer career. And then I was on the 
the triathlon team for the Naval Academy for the last two years and got to do some pretty cool stuff. Like got to go to Korea, South Korea for a diplomacy race and some really neat, neat, neat little club sport types of things because we were kind of more used for that diplomatic piece Mm -hmm. as a team. And then it was on the Navy triathlon team as a Naval officer too. Nice. So um, was there a reason you decided to leave the soccer team or it just wasn't a good fit anymore? Uh, it was just, it was just starting to wear on me. I love the girls and I still stay in touch with the, you know, the core group I was close with on the team. And frankly, I stay in touch still with the coach, the assistant coach, our peeps, our physical therapist, all of it. Um, I just, my body was just ready for something different. Mm. Injuries, you know, just always things were taped up for every game. Yeah. It seemed like it was time. Was that a re- was that a really hard decision for you back then? Oh yes, I'll never forget the dis- when I told my coach on a bus during the off season we were dr- driving back from DC in the snow and I'll never forget telling her and just crying. It was it was very hard. It's hard to make those kinds of decisions because you just don't really know if you're making the right one. Yeah, yeah, and I'm, and again, like I'm assuming you played for quite a while, if not your whole life. No. It was all I knew. Yep. Soccer was everything to me. Wow. It defined me. And it was like a safe haven for you at the school. So that's a, that's a lot. I I definitely, I understand that that's a big decision. So um, was that a huge mental shift? Like, so, so you played for two years. How did, how did that feel going back and, and not playing? Oh, I mean, it hurt. It was hard to be around the girls for a while and, I would still come to the games and we were all still close friends, but it was just, it was, it was painful. Yeah. Um, But I also really connected with the triathlon team really quickly, thankfully. Um, Yeah. I just needed, I just knew I needed to do it. Yeah. It's one of those times in your life where you just don't know why you need to do it necessarily, but you know, you got to be brave enough to do it. Yeah. And to your point, like one door closes and it leaves space for another one to open. And it sounds like it did. So you Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So had I not become a triathlete, I would not met my husband at an Ironman a few years after college. Oh, wow. Okay. There you go. (laughs) There you go. That's amazing. Yeah. And, and, you know, like hindsight's 2020, but it's like thinking about it now, like imagine if you had really pushed yourself to stay in the soccer program and what that would have done to your body and all that stuff. So, um, yeah. Yeah. But, but let's just back up for a second. So um, you get out of plebe summer and you dive into academy life. And at the beginning, you're playing soccer. It sounds like soccer was kind of a highlight for the first two years. And then the triathlon team became a big highlight later on. Um, but what else were some of those key highlights while you were at the academy? And, and how were academics and things like that for you? I think the academic environment there is really solid. Um, their prof- the professors were great. I actually enjoyed going to class. They, they, have a, they have a good set of academics there where you can really learn and grow. That part was very positive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sports plus the academics, both very positive. It's just more the interaction with people that got a little sketchy at times. But mm. yeah, I felt like the classroom was also another sanctuary. Most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. And what were you, what were you studying? Information technology. Okay. Okay. Um, And did you start to gain more clarity as you went through the program as to what you were going to do post-graduation? I kind of went all over the place for a while. I thought I was even going to transfer into the army when I graduated for the veterinary program. And then for a while, I thought I was going to go into EOD. And I, I mean, I was very close to transitioning into the Army. Um, so I was kind of like any other 18 to 22-year-old, really exploring all my different individuality expressions and kind of all over the place. Yeah. I really mm-hmm. can't wait to hear the rest of your story, by the way, because now I'm like, she's a farmer. So it's like, how did we get there? <laughs> How did we get there? It's going to be great. Um, but, but let's stay on track here. Okay. So, so you're at the Academy academics are going well, you're playing soccer. What were some of like the most memorable moments and experiences you had 
during the academy? You said going overseas. You did that? Yes. Going to South Korea was fantastic. Um, summer trainings were really memorable because I you know, got to do some ship stuff. I did a lot of EOD specialty training because I really thought I was going to go into that. And I was able to spend an entire summer working with a army vet, a veterinarian in San Diego and shadow her. So summer trainings were really, really cool. You know, spy rigging and rappelling out of helicopters and just doing all the fun things on that bucket list. Yeah. It was really cool. That's that's incredible. I had no idea that all these options existed at the Naval Academy. Like you could go shadow a veterinarian. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if that option did exist until I wrote a paper to validate the option to do it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, but I still did it. So that's, that's awesome. (laughs) That's awesome. So, um, so that's great. So, uh, any other kind of key highlights that you had while you were there? I mean, I had a great boyfriend and we had a lovely carefree college time together. I think that was another set of, you know, just a sanctuary aspect of that would uh, soften up the hard days interacting with um, a male dominant environment. You know, I've had my sports, I had academics, I had a great boyfriend, most of college that was a pretty healthy relationship. Now that boyfriend, was that the boyfriend that kind of spurred the whole academy decision to begin with or was this a different person different yep so he went to west point my college boyfriend was um a couple years older swimmer so but we 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 were together for almost the full length for three of the four years Mm. so that Mm. that was really helpful that just to have a fun healthy carefree relationship yeah definitely definitely um all right uh well so Let's dive into uh, some of the the low lights then at the academy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing I want to ask about because you mentioned this, um, you mentioned a few things, but one of the things you started out with was that I guess you you were a 2005 graduate, correct? So, mm-hmm. um, so 9/11 occurred right as you were going in, correct? Yes, when um, freshman year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how did that impact you at all while you were at the academy and kind of your thoughts on what was going to happen to, you know, with your commitment and all that stuff? Yeah. I mean, just being on being in lockdown in the hall for the entire day, squatting down, terrified was the starting point of, you know, that feeling of, wait, what's going on right now? Um, so that was the scary part. But then what followed was a bunch of excited young patriots who, you know, once we, and when I remember being in Bancroft Hall, which is the dorm, when Bush announced that we were going to war, just like celebrations ringing throughout mm-hmm. the halls and the, you know, and, and that was positive as a whole, but I was young enough at the time to be like, well, hold on, what is my what is my belief in all this? Like, I've never, I've never been challenged. Is this a war that I want to go fight in? What, what's happening? It's all happening so fast. You know, I don't have a choice, but I still want to have a philosophical belief in all of this. And I had to kind of dive in to the deep end of that a lot quicker than I expected that forming your individuality and your belief system that everybody does at that age. It, I really had to dive in quick because mm. we went straight to war and then we were preparing and talking about how we were all going to, get to go to the Gulf and Iraq and Afghanistan once we graduated. And it was just the main focus of what we were going to be doing. And most people were really excited about it. Yeah. And I want to help fashion. Did you get yourself there or or what, where did you land when you started that exploration? Uh, I got there eventually. I did almost leave when I transitioned out of my soccer career, I was going through a, a, a lot. Uh, as an individual at the time, just trying to see, is this what I want? Do I want to do the five plus years after the academy in a time of war? They call it two for seven. You can leave after the first, up to the first two years without owing anything back. And so they ask for your seven year commitment, your junior year. Um, And I, I, I will say I had a hard time with it for a couple of months. Um, I just wanted to be sure that I was okay with 
you know, fighting in this war as mm -hmm. a service member. And it got messy. I mean, at the end of the day, I decided to stick it out. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Not easy. Definitely, definitely not easy. Um, and just so you know, I'm a 2004 graduate, so I was right there with you with yeah. that whole thought process. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> King's Point's right across the Long Island Sound. So we actually, I actually watched the buildings fall, uh, mm. the Twin Towers. So like, and I had that whole, like, I guess we're really doing this thing. Go on. Wow. So yeah. So, but anyway, uh, so I totally understand, but, um, okay. So any other low lights you'd like to talk about? I would say being at the Naval Academy was my first time being in a male dominant environment. And I, I, I didn't know how, I didn't have the tools in my toolkit to handle the comments and the treatment that came from boys transitioning to manhood. Um, sometimes I, maybe I handled it pretty well, but other times I was just like, I'm going to disappear behind perfection. I'm going to be stronger. And you know, feistier than <laughs> to, to make sure I stand up for myself. For the most part, it wasn't a bad experience, but I will say there were moments of complete dehumanization. Um, and my, this feeling that I'm just completely defenseless. And that's not something I'd ever dealt with, even growing up in Texas, where things are a little bit more older school in the South. It just, I wasn't aware of, of that peace until I went to the Naval Academy and how men can be towards mm -hmm. women, especially a group of them, uh, how they can just speak and, you know, physically when they're, they've been drinking what they will try to do. And I, I have been in some sticky situations that I've had to get out of yeah. through fighting physically through. Yeah. It's, it wasn't all great, but that wasn't the majority of my experience either. Mm. Um, so but I'm just thankful that I'm strong and scrappy because I did have to get out of some situations with my physical strength. Um, so, Ooh. yeah. Well, that, that definitely sounds scary. Um, it, it's interesting. You said this twice now. You said, you know, hide behind perfection. Um, what exactly mm -hmm. does that mean when you say that? Uh, well, I, I had already mastered that before college because I um, – was raised by a mother who has some mental illnesses and we were kind of trying to keep everything afloat in the family by just being the perfect children. So my sister and I called it, we call it hiding behind perfection. It's like when you're trying to just keep the face of something good so that the bad can't find you. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was something I already knew how to do really well. I just used it in a different format at the Academy. Yeah. How did that look at the Academy? Just being, you know, this all-star athlete and, you know, just well maintaining myself really well so that I just blended right in and didn't give them a reason to, wasn't pretty, too pretty, wasn't not too pretty, just like trying to just blend into this very yeah. <laughs> average setting, but also be very athletic and strong. So, cause it really does kind of make men just breeze right over you as a subject. Um, for their dehumanization needs or whatever that whatever happens there, I don't really know, but they just kind of go right past you if they feel like there's going to be too much of a fight, um, or if you could outwit them. Um, so yeah. I, I I got the hang of that pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry to hear that you still found yourself in a few situations that were you know were uncomfortable and you had to defend yourself, but. Uh but happy to hear that that wasn't the majority of the experience. So that's, no. that's good. Yeah. It um, wasn't overall. It was definitely not. I had great friends there. Some mm -hmm. of them guys. And I mean, they would, we'd protect each other. Um, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I made yeah. some fantastic friendships there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do, yeah. do you feel like that, um, that uh, hiding behind perfection piece, um, would you, was your experience that that was kind of like a survival mode type of mentality? I just had to work, work really hard to maintain that hiding spot. Yeah. It's a lot of energy. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's just kind of exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. 
I get that. Um, okay. So you had a few, you know, low lights, but for the most part, it seems like you really made some solid relationships at the Academy, both men and women. It sounds like, um, mm-hmm. you did well academically. Um, so as you started to approach graduation, uh, did the plan start to become more clear? I know you dabbled with EOD, uh, being a veterinarian. Um, were you more clear as that decision was starting to become, you know, a reality? Um, well, I was in a really serious relationship by that point. And so it really ended up being the final decision was to choose a career to try to line up with his. And so that was the final you know, thinking that uh, that this was going to be a li- a long term, lifelong <laughs> relationship, I mm. ended up making that final decision. Um, yeah, to to match our careers up a little bit better. That's co location. That yes, that? exactly. Okay. okay, gotcha. Okay, um, and this is the person you were dating while you were at the academy, or no? Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha. Um, so, so what did that look? What did that mean? Did that mean yeah. What did that mean? Did that mean you're going slow? Yeah. So it means, and I remember that night, you know, you, you get to pick, I can't remember what they call it. I should remember, but I can't, but you get to pick where you're going and what you're doing essentially. Um, well, you've already picked what you're doing and then you get to pick where you're going. So I'd already mm-hmm. picked slow and, um, then they use it based on your academic ranking of who gets to pick what ports first. Cause you know, everybody wants to pick Hawaii and whatever else. Um, but I just already knew I was picking Hampton roads, picking Norfolk, um, mm-hmm. because that's where the seal team that he was on was here in Hampton roads. I still live here, but that's why I said here. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just picked, I picked a, a ship and based on the geographical location with a bigger idea in mind of settling down. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. And yeah, moved on down to Norfolk. Okay. Okay. So, well, before we get into that whole piece of your life post-graduation. Um, what do you think were some of the biggest lessons you learned during your time at the Academy? Um, grit. I didn't quite understand grit before. Um, mm. I do feel like I started the Academy with a bit of a chip on my shoulder and that got taken off very quickly. <laughs> and it never came, it never came back on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm I'm glad for that. I um I think that a lot of times we're very confident and overly confident. Um especially if you came from, you know, my high school was really proud of me and I just was like on cloud 9. Um and I think it's really good to be humbled by difficult experiences to see that there's an even you know, field out there of other people working through the messy parts of life and that it's not going to, it's just not, there's no easy handout mm. and to life. So that's why I always tell people, with, you know, the main summary of my experience there was that it just wiped away that entitlement piece that I was probably carrying with me more than I wanted to mm. admit. Um, and it just humbled me and the discipline, you know, the structure, the discipline, it really is a legitimate um, program that they have there for teaching people at that transformational age of how to gain those skills and make them be life habits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you said you came from a really tiny town in Texas, right? Arlington, is that what you said? No. No, it's not super tiny. Um, it's in between Dallas and Fort Worth. I mean, my call, my high school was pretty big. I think my graduating class was close to 1200 people, maybe. Oh, that's bigger than mine was. That's huge. It's a big <laughs> high school. Yeah. It's, it's a big city. It's where the Cowboys play and the Rangers. And, okay. um, okay. I just think I was the first female to go to the Academy for my high school, but it was a big high school. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So when you got to the Academy, um, what was that like for you coming from this town in Texas? It was, it was kind of odd to see a bunch of other people who were smarter than me and faster than me. And it was the first time I had seen that. Um, yeah. I didn't mm-hmm. know others were out there like that. And gotcha. so I just remember the first foot race I lost. And obviously, academically, I wasn't nearly what those road scholars were <laughs> and things like that. It just, yeah. I just, 
I was like, whoa, there's a lot of them like, there's a lot of them like me out there, but better. <laughs> yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, it was like the first time you were really challenged, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. for sure. Interesting. Interesting. Well, those are huge life lessons to have learned very mm-hmm. young, you know? So, okay. All right. So, so you graduate um, and the plan was to go down to Norfolk. Uh, with your boyfriend, who it sounds like he was going to be training or was a Navy SEAL. Yes, um, already was. Already was a Navy SEAL because he was ahead of you. Um, and so what happened next? So you're a SWO. What, mm-hmm. what happened next? I was on an amphib at Little Creek um, called the Whidbey Island as the communications officer and bought a house here and Kind of was settling into this new life and I was enjoying it. Actually, I liked my ship. I liked my division. Um, I enjoyed going out to sea for the workups and was preparing for deployment. Actually, it wasn't that bad um, <laughs> at, at first, I guess, just because I hadn't gone into deployment yet. Um, and then about eight months in, my ex-boyfriend now, we broke up you know, just for complicated reasons. And then I just moved into a little apartment and Kept on, kept keeping on, um, went on a deployment for my ship and also got to do a Navy, the Nationals Navy triathlon competition. So that was really fun. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I was having a pretty good experience as a SWO. I just, the, I really liked a lot of the work aspects of it. I was enjoying being in communications because I'd majored in IT. So I got to do a lot of stuff that was pertinent to my degree. But I was a really conscious of wellness and healthy eating and fitness, and I was you know really hitting a lot of walls with that community um, and just not integrating socially at all hmm. with my uh, peers, my fellow officer peers. I just I you know I don't drink and party, and so I just once my ex and I broke up, I just like had no friends. So uh, that was a little tricky because I was living in Virginia Beach and I knew nobody and if you don't party at 20, you know, 20, 20, 22, 23 years old and you know, all the Navy triathlon team members were stationed elsewhere. So there, that was the loneliest year of my life. There was about a year and a half of just really deep loneliness. Um, mm. yeah. Spending Thanksgiving alone. I remember being, spending Thanksgiving alone and eating cookies all day, watching Alias, as long as you ever watch that show. But yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was like, the, that was the low point. <laughs> uh, I, I totally feel you on that. That's rough. That's really rough. And especially you were coming from the academy and you felt like a deep sense of camaraderie. You had a, you know, you felt like you were really connected to your boyfriend. You know, you mm-hmm. had all these teams and then to find yourself kind of alone in a city where you're, there's this dissonance with the people that you're working with. Um, yeah, people, sailors that don't drink is kind of like unheard of. I get that. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As a merchant mariner that doesn't drink, I can tell you, I feel you on that. Um, yeah, that's, tricky. yeah, that's tough, but, but you got through. So, so tell me, um, tell me what happened. Like, what was the turning point for you? Um, so I was pretty deep in my loneliness and trying to figure out, you know, also deep in my I hate men chapter of life, which, you know, I think that I'm, I'm actually really thankful for that year and a half of not having to rely this, you know, codependency per se in a relationship um, and having to really navigate that messy stuff alone, but with a support network. I mean, my parents are great. My siblings, my friends. Um, and I finally, I remember going down to Texas um, for pre-deployment, pre-deployment vacation. And I was just kind of at the lowest point of being like, I'm never going to figure this out with my friends. And then a couple weeks later, I went and did a triathlon, an Ironman down in Georgia by myself. Um, I just drove down there to do a race. That was kind of one of my things I would do every weekend. I'd go out to the mountains and just do some kind of solo cycling trip or find an iron or find a triathlon or find a 10K, something. And I, I met my now husband at that race. So mm-hmm. we met and, you know, kind of a couple of weeks after I had just thrown in the towel on hope of ever meeting somebody. And mm-hmm. um, I actually left on deployment a few weeks later, but we, we just fell madly in love with each other. And we actually, um, we were committed to each other even during that deployment. 
So we, we've been married 15 years now. So it's pretty cool stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, that's awesome to hear. And I, yeah, I think that time alone for sure helped you gain more clarity about who you are and really solidify who you are, which, you know, is the work that needs to be done. I know you know this to find the right people. So yeah, I've um, certainly given that advice to many people over the years. Yeah. You yeah. go from, you know, mate to mate. And it's like, you gotta you know, spend some time getting to know yourself and love yourself. Yep. Totally. So, yeah. Well, but so it was a interesting thing having a husband. Well, we dated, then we got married who was never in the military. So that mm -hmm. was, that dynamic was, was funny most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Men in the military can be intense sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but okay. So you got deployed, um, right when you met him, you said like a few weeks after you met him. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so how did that unfold? So you got deployed, where did you go? And then what did you do when you got back? So we were, we went over to the Gulf and then did anti-piracy off the coast of Africa. Mm -hmm. And about halfway through the, the deployment, I was sent back to America to do the Navy triathlon nationals for the year. Mm -hmm. And I had about a month before I could get back to my ship. And um, the, the command said, you know, we don't really, I can't remember what they call that. It's not leave. You don't use your leave, but no cost orders or something like that. And mm. so I took those few weeks at the time, my, my, um, my boyfriend who I had just met was riding his bicycle across the country. He quit his job and he was just, he's like, well, if you're going on a deployment, I'm going on a deployment, but a different kind. So I had my bike with me and my command was like, well, I don't know what to do with you until we can get you back over here. So I joined him actually for about three weeks of a uh, cross country bicycling trip. Nice. And yeah. That's pretty cool. So, That'll bring it, bring you close together with your boyfriend <laughs> really quickly. Yes. Yeah. It was, it was fantastic. Uh, and then things took a turn that for a couple of years, I didn't know how that was all going to go, but mm. we ended up pregnant <laughs> mm. with our first son. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so things got really interesting in my naval career from that point on and with him, but, um, yeah, so I went back to some do some surface warfare officer training and do a couple other things, and then I went back went on to shore duty for that pregnancy and had a great great uh, command there, and had my first son. Okay, so let's back up for a second. So before you had this break on your first deployment, were you enjoying your deployment? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess so. I it was intense and scary and we only got to do one port call in Rota and then we went straight on. Um, but it wasn't terrible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I was actually, we were busy. Yeah. Uh, and I, I would say anti-piracy operations are really exhilarating. Um, trying to track down these small craft boats that are smuggling or, you know, in, in theory, bringing terrorists, over or whatever they're doing it's usually smuggling um we you know we had it was pretty intense i yeah i enjoyed that yeah yeah okay yeah. and then so and then you have this break and you go back and you compete and then you meet up with your husband well your boyfriend at the time um <laughs> <laughs> and you get pregnant so did you know you were pregnant before you had to ship back out I did. I was over in Newport for some surface warfare training. Um, I can't remember what they were having me do, but they wanted me to do some stuff. Um, it's been so long now, but I was there. I was in Newport and I had no idea I was pregnant. I had literally no idea. And, you know, just got really sick one day and went to the hospital because I thought I had a stomach bug and they ran a blood test on me and told me I was pregnant and just about I mean, it was a traumatic piece of news to receive, <laughs> to say yeah. the least. Yeah. I couldn't get in touch with my husband because he was, you know, riding his bicycle in the middle of nowhere. Um, I mean, my parents didn't even know I was dating him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this like very responsible 
seemingly perfect individual, right? Because remember, hiding behind perfection was my skill. Like that's exactly my thing. that's why I'm asking these questions. Yeah, <laughs> I was hear. fully exposed, fully to my parents, to the world yeah. around me, to this, you know, fear of a scarlet letter from my commanding officer to just, oh my gosh, it was like, mm-mm, you can't hide this one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so tell me like, what did you, how did you process that? And like, how did you decide what you were going to do next? Um, well, I mean, I got in touch with my parents and you know, they're, they're loving, unconditionally loving people and just said, you know, you're going to have to face this and take responsibility and figure this out. You know, got in touch with my commanding officer and I mean, he, he knew, knew I was a good sailor and responsible person. And so genuinely didn't feel like it was something I ever would do on purpose, which you, know, you hear that rumor in the military. That's not something that I felt was an issue because um, I had built up trust with my command. You know, they were probably were just like, what the heck were you thinking? But um, yeah, I mean, I just went ahead and dive, I dove right into becoming a mother. Mm. And getting married. I mean, I got married um, about a month and a half later, uh, three three months pregnant. Mm-hmm. So that for that next year was really stressful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, tell me about that. So, so how did this alter your tr- career trajectory at that point? So, yeah, tell me about that. Um, it just, I was just about done. Uh, with that tour, or I think that's what, it, oh gosh, I've been out for so long. I don't remember any of the nomenclature. I was pretty close to wrapping that up. So it didn't really slow anything down. Um, I just had that sabbatical. And back then, sabbaticals were short. So I had the, you know, at that point, I was transitioned from my ship at six weeks, eight weeks. And then you have, have another seven months of pregnancy. And then you have four months postpartum before you transition back to a ship. So I actually was on time just about to transition to my second division officer tour on a ship. So I just went ahead and did that mm. with a four month old baby. Um, yeah. So, so tell me about that. Um, that wasn't so great. Uh, just because we were going on deployment two months later after I got to, got to the command. So um, I left when he was six months old and um that change, the, the, the experience I'd had on my first deployment versus this deployment now as a mother with a baby were two opposite experiences. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So tell me more about that. It just, I mean, I can only imagine that that must've been really hard. It was, um, I was really into this, you know, attachment parenting, um, movement as we would call it, that was surging up about 13 to 14 years ago, really into breastfeeding, just thought it was important, Uh, you know, just had these awakenings as a human and as a mother. Um, So I actually took my breast pump with me and um, was planning on pumping around the clock enough to keep my supply and just dumping because I really wanted to keep breastfeeding when I got back home. So that was one of the first stressful things that I put on my plate. And I really didn't want to leave this baby. Um, So I just didn't make it very far into the deployment. Actually, I had a mental breakdown about seven weeks in and was sent back home for a psychological treatment for for PTSD therapy and some medication. And it it got pretty messy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's so unnatural to leave your baby. It really is at that age. And oh my goodness. So how did you feel when you were able to go back and be with your baby? Uh, for, at first I was, I was really depressed. I was happy to see him in a way, but I, I was going through a psychological reconstruction. I was completely broken down. I had lost a lot of weight. I wasn't, I was not stable. Um, and he was also not stable from trauma. So he was screaming all the time, biting me when I tried to nurse. I mean, he was experiencing symptoms of, of severe trauma, emotional trauma. Um, Mm. so it was, it was a rough, rough road for him. And, and then about two months after 
I got back, we believe we, we reported an injury to the CDC from a vaccine because we don't know what else it was. He had a vaccine injury. So that got layered on where he stopped smiling, eye tracking, you know, just, it was just like a complete disaster um, yeah. oh my for goodness. about six months at least until I just started to be a little bit more stable and he started to kind of respond a little bit more. But um, yeah, that was rough. So when all this was going on, what, uh, what was happening with like your ideas for military career and that whole piece, was that all on hold during this time? Uh, no, I mean, I was on shore duty again, um, in a, you know, going to work every day, going to therapy every day. Uh, but I, thankfully being in therapy, she was helping me direct this pain into something productive and, you know, asking me what my, pa- where my passion lies and all this. And it was really that advocacy for women and advocacy for breastfeeding. And so she really kind of, my therapist really kind of coached me into standing up for something that I believe in to help transfer that pain into something powerful uh, and, mm-hmm. pro- and productive. So I started really writing, I write, was writing papers to personnel command on Tennessee and to my CO and the, the admiral at my command about changing that four-month postpartum rule policy to 12 months so that women could stay on shore duty for 12 months postpartum, all under the premise of um, breastfeeding and to also, while they're on shore duty, give them an actual nursing room instead of a bathroom, like kind of updating the rights of women in that setting so that they could continue nursing and not be in a bathroom. to do so. So it, I kind of redirected all my pain into to that project and it really helped a lot yeah. for me and for Navy policy for women. So, so by the time you had your second child, were you already out of the military then? Mm-mm. Nope. No? I was still in, I had some more time to serve on shore duty. Um, so, but by the time my second son was born, the policy had changed. Um, my uh, first and second son are about 18 months apart mm-hmm. and the policy, they did change Navy policy to 12 months postpartum. And that and, was based on the work you did. Yes. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Amazing. We, <laughs> we all thank you for that. <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's just ama- amazing how one powerful voice can then just spark all these other women. All these women were starting to speak and write and call and even the head OBG at Portsmouth. I mean, we were just, it was just like, boom. Yeah. There was just no choice after that. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Must've been very, very healing for you given everything you had gone through. Yeah, it was for sure. So, so then it sounds like things went a little smoother then with your second uh, son. Um, oh, for sure. In regards to like how it was going to work with the rest of your life. Yes. I got out of the Navy soon thereafter. Just my five years was up mm-hmm. um, and was tra- you know, just transitioning to civilian life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so now you have two babies and two little boys, which mm-hmm. is already a handful, <laughs> two little boys. Mm-hmm. And you're transitioning out of the, out of the Navy um, and you have your husband. Uh, so what, what was the next step for you? So when I, as I was transitioning, I was about to have pregnant with number three. So we had number three, I don't know, about five months after I got out and you know, we just moved to a new house. You know, you're just kind of adjusting to civilian life and life with three toddlers. Um, I, just took some downtime for a couple of years to reflect on what I wanted to do next. Um, and then decided I knew what I wanted to do and went back to school for regenerative agriculture and then another school for functional medicine. Had my fourth son somewhere along the way, somewhere along the way, my husband went to the Darden School of Business. So things got really crazy because we were all in, we were both in school for advanced education. We were having another child. We had four kids under the age of five. Um, so things, things were intense, but in a way that was all very freeing. Cause it was, I was defining the way I spent my time for the first time ever in my adult life. So 
it was, it wasn't as hard as it was when I was, when my time was being controlled. Yes. And it sounds like, again, that same similar thing where like you gave yourself permission to take space and time to figure out what made sense for you, which is kind of not what happens in the military, right? Like you go in and you're, you have these constraints on your options and you're kind of funneled into these different avenues. And, um, but it sounds like you really, really took the time to figure out what you wanted to do and did it. I did. And I, I don't know how it all came together fully, but I do remember why regenerative agriculture came into the picture was during my young teen years, I had some really dark, dark times and I was sent to the farm, the family farm for one summer and it literally saved my life. I was, Mm. you know, I was suicidal at the age of 14. I went to the family farm for that summer between eighth and ninth grade and it literally saved my life and sent me on a trajectory of pulling it back together. Um, so I knew I wanted farming to be a piece of that, but I, was, I didn't want it to be conventional. I wanted it to be clean because by then I was already eating really well as an adult and nutritionally minded. Um, and then the functional medicine piece came in because of my, my son with special needs. We had no idea what a vaccine injury was until we experienced it. I, you know, I had no idea about emotional trauma at all uh, and the, the ramifications of that with a baby. And you know, just all these different layers. So I, I knew I had a passion in that too. Mm-hmm. And I just knew I wanted to bridge those two passions together mm-hmm. to help people. Okay. So you finish up school and then what was the plan after that? The plan was to build a company, uh, but also homeschool all the kids. So it was slow to ramp up. Um, was doing very low grade health coaching through this functional medicine route. We had moved on to a farm, so we were very slowly building out the farm. Um, I, I found myself accidentally in this product development space. I just I'm really good at apothecary type of stuff, so I started formulating things. But the, my kids had to be integrated into it. That was the, the mission statement for the early stage of my company was that the homeschooling curriculum was going to be based on a multi-generational family business model. I wasn't obviously after having to leave my son and then still go to work every day when in the military, I wasn't going to do that with building a company. So the company was home-based on the farm. My employees all came here. I had a, I had tutors help me with homeschooling. I had so that I could be with my children, but still have that little piece of me that is important to me. Uh, of service to humanity. Uh, motherhood isn't something that I wanted to fully identify 100% with. It's just that never made sense to me. It does to others, but that little piece of me is, is important. So it just kind of slowly built up over the last eight years uh, into a, a, like a, mid, a decent-sized company now, but the kids are older and they go to school full-time. And so as, as each season of life transitioned with ages and where the kids were, I was able to then ramp up more and more and more. And so what is, what is the farm business now? What is that whole thing? So we, um, we have a, what we call the pharmacy with an F. So there's 75 different products that are made in my own manufacturing facility that I built and opened um, myself because it's all super clean and organic. So I just, I'm still keeping it all in house. And um, I like to employ people who love their jobs. So that piece is one of it. That's probably one of the biggest pieces in terms of revenue. And then there's the functional medicine services piece. And uh, I see a low grade of clients now. I used to see more, but uh, it's, it's very draining working with complex uh, health issues. So I just see a few clients at once at any given time. And then I direct that, that energy and experience in root cause medicine and health to writing essays. And I'm going to hopefully launch a book next spring, the first book uh, that's about primal parenting. So kind of putting functional medicine into that space of writing to help reach a larger number of people as opposed to one-on-one care. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. So I have an essay channel on social media that I write a few times a week on and really focusing on neuro trauma, neuro care, just the brain, optimizing the brain, things like that. 
Uh, and then we have a lot of events. We have tons of events on the farm, farm dinners, camps, you know, pick your own vegetables. We have a wine bar up at my little general store that I opened. Um, we do wellness events. So the mission of the company is to provide connective experiences, wellness education, and trustworthy products to the community. Mm. So those are our three facets, mm. um, our pillars. So incredible. It's so incredible to hear everything you're doing. I love it. Um, it's just, uh, mm, thanks. It, yeah, it's, it's super, it's super impressive. Um, but I, I'm curious, like looking back now, you know, how do you currently feel about your decision to attend an academy? I'm so glad I went. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't, nothing would be what it is today without that, that one single brave step. Next thing you move away, you're alone. It's it takes a lot of courage for anyone who goes to a service academy. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. matter, male, woman, it's it's it is not easy to take that step. It's terrifying. So that's just that the muscle started getting massaged right there of yeah. perseverance and you know, courage. Um yeah. 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 And it's it's interesting too, like thinking back to thinking back to what you said about soccer and, and knowing intuitively, like you had to, you had to let it go. And like all these moments that, you know, objectively they seem like they're really, really hard and they were really, really hard for you at the time, but they really, like you said, it just all is just part of the plan, you know, and got you to where you are today. So mm-hmm. it's kind of awesome to hear the whole story flow out like that. Um, so what's next for you then? Well, I'm trying to write this book. Taking yeah. a long time, a lot longer than I thought. Um, there's, you know, at least from my immediate group of people who read my essays, they were really ready for it. And so I think that the timing is soon. Um, and my company product line is, it's gone, it's gone pretty crazy. So I have to learn how to scale that. Mm-hmm. And I don't, you know, don't know what I'm doing half the time. So just trying to manage supply chains and I'm just trying to keep my company going through these, these really, really difficult economic times. Takes a lot of brain power. Mm -hmm. Um, It's -hmm. not quite as balanced as I wish it was right now, but um, you know, my kids are proud to be a family business. So they understand Um, I'm at least able to work mostly from home since my store is closed. And my husband works in a startup too. So we both just kind of have this like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're just trying to stay alive right now with our businesses to keep yeah. their family fed. So, uh, but, yeah. and we're doing it. I mean, there's, we, we both, there's no track record of not ever figuring things out. Um, so we will. Yeah. That's, at least yeah. that's what I believe. Well, I have no doubt given everything you've shared. I have no doubt that you guys will figure it out. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. Do you have any parting words for listeners, Ashley? Any key messages for your fellow Service Academy sisters before we go? Um, I just, I think I would want to encourage all these sisters to really hone home in on what their personal freedom boundaries are and what they like just define those value the value set i see a lot of people not doing that uh working in alternative health and working in this place of trauma recovery um it's it kind of starts with this this these values self-love self-worth and value proposition that you have with yourself not being well defined um and so you can't really build a path of personal freedom without that, without defining what your values are first, what's most important to you. Ooh, beautifully said, beautifully, beautifully said, and I couldn't agree more. So I love it. Oh, I absolutely love it. Um, all right. And finally, uh, what's one random fun fact about you? I have an addiction to chickens and not eating them owning them as pets. (laughs) How many do you have, Ashley? Tell us. I'm up to about 280. Oh, that is (laughs) completely unnecessary. (laughs) I was going to say like 12, five, I don't know, 280. Okay. That's, that is a lot. What is it about the chickens? What is it? 
I don't, I, I love them as pets. They have the coolest personalities. They love interacting with me. It's just, it's the, it's just a great hobby that, you know, I guess I, I don't need all those eggs, but I just keep buying more chickens. Oh my goodness. Do you name them? <laughs> we name most of them, at least the ones that, because, you know, with any thing, they, some of them have that personality that you just end up grabbing onto and naming. But yeah, I don't, I, I'm obsessed with owning chickens as pets. I love it. I think, I think that's a, the most, that is the most random fun fact that we've had on the show yet. So <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, all right, Ashley. And, and one last thing before we go, can you just tell listeners where they can find you? Sure. Um, on Instagram and Facebook, it's the farm life movement. And then on my website, it's thefarmlife.com, And I've got a little email list that people can join and I send out you know, just functional medicine tips and essays a couple times a week. Awesome. And all of that will be in the show notes for listeners. Um, Ashley, it's been wonderful talking to you. I really, really appreciate you taking the time to share your story with, uh, with listeners. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed, I enjoyed talking with you too. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to visit the Service Academy Sorority website to see photos, comprehensive show notes, and contact information for each guest. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. In addition, if you enjoy what you heard here today, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. And if you'd like to be featured on an upcoming episode, please feel free to submit your contact information on our website at www.serviceacademysorority.com.